Thank you for tuning into the Debbie Devotional Podcast, a monthly show focusing on Debbie prospects, strategies, and incoming rookies. Now here's your host. Welcome into the Debbie Devotional. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86 on Twitter. And tonight, it's grudge match time, baby. It's time that we finally stop agreeing on everything and start going after each other. Aaron called me out on a couple players. I'm about to call him out on a, on a few, and we're going to get mean, nasty, dirty. No. <laughs> we actually just decided it was time to not, uh, you know, just to switch things up a little bit and, and, and go a different route and just sit here and go, you know, maybe we don't have to agree on everyone. You know, we I think that we both always enjoy each other's... Uh, you know, analysis and everything like that. And so sometimes we sit there and just go, Hey, you know, yeah, I actually, I, I like that. I like that take. Well, tonight's a little different. So we're going to switch it up. But first things first, how are you doing tonight, Aaron? I'm doing great. And usually we can talk some sense into each other when we're talking through these guys. So what might start as, you know, like you said, uh, a debate type of thing might actually become like a persuasive speech, right? <laughs> <So> let's, <laughs> exactly. Let's see how tonight goes. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, talking about some guys that we've either disagreed about at some point or currently. So yeah, this will be fun. It should be, but it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on here. And of course, Toronto Dave's in the chat with his goofies. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we've missed uh, quite a bit. We missed the college f- uh, football playoff announcement and then it not mattering at all. Uh, you know, what do you think of this past weekend of, of college football? Just wild implications. You know, Alabama going down. That's just it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this ends up. And I don't have any wild predictions or anything like that. But yeah, very interested. It's cool to see some new teams in there. I mean, yes, Georgia still, right? Um, but the fact that there's a couple of teams that haven't necessarily made it that far in recent years, at least nipping at the heels of some of those big big schools, big teams, is exciting. So um, we should have a good finish the next couple of weeks, just really seeing who emerges. And it's also playoff time in, in your campus to Canton League, so... Good luck to everybody making the playoffs there. John and I secured first round buys, so we actually don't need to worry about. We don't it. have to do nothing. <laughs> we don't have to uh, do a damn thing. <laughs> uh, I, I got buys in actually both my <laughs> both my leagues, so I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy it this this weekend. Don't have to sweat about setting lineups or backups or any of that. So that's that's good stuff. It's much needed for me. I have like five QBs in my uh, campus league that are all injured. Uh, I guess they're not on buys anymore. I think just all of them are injured. And so I need a a week just to see who's coming back, who's healthy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Although I was pretty happy that with like uh, not very many healthy players last week, I still put up a pretty good score and was able to secure that buy. So uh, yeah, doing pretty well there. You definitely want to keep up with the Debbie devotional because clearly it's working. <laughs> it's working in practice. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. You know, I, I'm kind of hoping that we don't have to face each other again anytime soon. But then again, there's not too many weeks left. So there's probably a decent chance that we will here pretty soon. Uh, hopefully, you know, one of us can take out Todd uh, at the very least. <laughs> yeah, he's coming on strong for sure. So, Excited to see how that all pans out. 
All right, but we're not here to be nice, uh, especially not to Todd, uh, but also not to you. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and get into the nastiness. Uh, first of all, I want to call you out. My boy, Ja'Cory Brooks, you were a big fan. Yeah, I mean, uh, almost as big of a fan as me. Obviously, I ended up drafting him in our campus league, but you were right there with me. And it seems like you're you're tailing off as of late. And obviously, it hasn't been all... Uh, you know, rainbows and, and roses and everything. But I think that it, we're starting to see progression like weekly, uh, even in this past week, you know, seeing a good amount of targets and, and receptions and everything. Now it's not, it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been maybe exactly what I wanted it to be, or obviously what you wanted it to be, but I don't think the Alabama offense has been exactly perfect either, which we see in them not even making it, you know, probably not making it to the, you know, the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just, I, I think that the offense is kind of broken. And so it's hard to blame for me to blame Ja'Cory too much where not to put words in your mouth, but it seems like maybe you're got, you're, you're kind of starting to notice flaws in his game. And you're saying, oh, you know, like this is this is why I'm I'm getting lower on him. This is why I'm getting concerns with them. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there looking at it going like he's getting better, you know, just about every week, or at least since the beginning of the year, where he couldn't even get on the damn field. And, you know, now he's basically the number one wide receiver for a great Alabama offense or a great Alabama group of players. Uh so I just think when it's all said and done, he's obviously a little raw, a little you know, new and it, uh, and the offense isn't quite clicking or, you know, or, or, uh, you know, it's not what we would expect from Alabama in general. And so I don't want to hate on him too much. And I think that like every week I'm noticing, him, you know, tick up the ranks in the model <laughs> weekly, weekly, but what, what are you so concerned about with my boy, Ja'Cory here? Yeah. So you laid out well how he's been coming on. He, he was not seeing the field early in the season, or at least he was in a very uh, minor role initially. And he's definitely earned more and more snaps. That's for sure. Uh, 15 targets this last week, which, you know, you, you gave me that statistic there. I, I asked him like, how much did he get targeted? Because I saw some issues there as far as him converting those targets. And he only had seven receptions. So, I mean, that's you know, less than a 50% catch rate. And I guess that's part of my concerns is I'm seeing some some issues where, yes, he's the number one target for Bryce Young. And typically we'd say targets are good, right? But if he continues struggling to haul them in at a high rate, will he, A, continue to see those targets long-term? And B, you know, is the coaching staff going to say, you know, we got to keep putting this guy out there, let's say, as these younger guys develop? Because we have to appreciate that Bama brings in so much talent through the transfer portal, through true freshmen every year. It's like if we're looking long term for Brooks, um, targets are a good thing. I'm not going to say that he's a bad player because bad players don't command 15 targets in games. They just don't. And... I just kind of look at his statistics over the season and his like receptions market share. So the amount of receptions for the team, I mean, it's like 13.8%. His, his yards market share for the year, 18%. Um, yards per team pass, it's at 1.46. Dominator rating, dominator rating sub 20%. It's like, um, and, and those are from Campus to Cadden, um, the website, Campus to Cadden. Um, those marks are kind of below some other guys, and I thought that was a little bit scary with Brooks. I know you can't completely have faith in those because he started off so slow in such a limited role, right? 
But guys like Troy Franklin, for me, are passing him up in this class. Guys like Malik Neighbors, who has not blown up or anything, I mean, he, he outperforms Ja'Cory Brooks in some of these measures. Even Bo Collins, I think it's better in the Dominator rating area, though I still have Ja'Cory ahead of him. So Ja'Cory deserves a Bama bump, but if we're talking about rock production, I mean, Kobe Prentice, the true freshman, has more receptions than him. Uh, Prentice has not been nearly as efficient or not as good. Yeah. He plays a different role, right? He, he's just a little slot receiver. And like you said, the offense is not clicking like it normally would. And next year when they have Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson as quarterback, that's a downgrade from Bryce Young. So is it going to truly get better for Brooks? Maybe as he develops, but I guess those are my concerns that I laid out. We might have to talk about Milrow because if it's going to be him, then I'm scared about Brooks too. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, just looking at, like like we said, the the first few weeks he had zero yards, thirty three and twenty nine yards, and then he blew up in week four with uh, six catches for one hundred seventeen yards, and then of course we know that uh, uh, that uh, Bryce Young gets hurt, and not I mean that once again we can talk about Milrow here in a little bit, but uh, that that passing game was not amazing uh, during those couple of weeks there, and then um, when did he come back? Did, did Young come back for the Texas A and M game or the Tennessee game? I can't remember right now. I'm going to have to go back and look on that one. Yeah, well, regardless, he had zero yards for Arkansas, and then he had 44 yards for Texas A&M, and then 79 against Tennessee, 74 against Mississippi State, and then 97 against LSU. So... I just it seems like it's trending in the right direction for the most part. Uh we're seeing, you know, like bigger plays, you know, some seven or sixteen point nine yards per reception. Like that's the kind of stuff you want to see. Whereas with the Kobe Prentice, I feel like it was almost like a safety valve for Bryce Young, especially in the beginning of the season. And it didn't really turn into anything. Like they're like five yard receptions, seven yard receptions, you know? And, and so I'm not hating on Prentice by any means. Once again, targets are a good thing. Not trying to hate on the guy by any means, but we're starting to see like actual, like NFL statistics that I look at that like look really good for Brooks that I'm not seeing with the, you know, at least with Prentice. Now, like Isaiah Bond has flashed. Um, I, you know, I think that he's going to be something in the near future or at least in the future. And then obviously JoJo Earl, you know, has flashed a little bit as well. And then everyone has kind of forgotten about uh, uh, Jermaine Burton, but like he was brought in to be this this stud. Treshawn Holden started the year. I mean, it's not like there's no one in this wide receiver core. So I get what you're saying. Like they can easily bring in other wide receivers, and and I mean he could be replaced, but like he's dealing with four and five star guys already. So like he's already done his job to get where he's at. Uh, So I'm just, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Uh, The only thing I will argue with your statistics, and I know you, you got it from a a site and everything, uh, but I, I'm looking at 2.01 for yards per team pass attempt for him. Uh, Could be that maybe it wasn't updated from last weekend or this past weekend and stuff like that. So I'm not trying to say they're wrong. You know, it could just be that it's not updated, but that's what I have, um, and I I did update everything from from this past weekend. Nice, yeah, it, that could totally be it. I I do have to bring up one more point of like last year. I get it, the offense does just not look the same this year at Bama, and part of it's the offensive line. I do think part of it's the weapons. Like it's feasible that maybe there just aren't any guys who are going to be elite NFL producers at the next level right now on on that Bama wide receiver core. 
John Mechie, I mean, not that John Mechie was great, right? But last year he had 96 receptions for 1,100-plus yards. And Jamison Williams, I mean, he had 1,500 yards, right? He had 15 touchdowns, amazing season last year. So it's just nobody's coming close to that this year at Bama. Yeah. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, I mean, I will say that he's probably the best out of that group this year, but does that still make him a good NFL prospect? With the stuff that I was seeing so far, he's got a ways to go. Let's just say that. So that's why I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. He's still firmly within my top 10 wide receivers in the 2024 class. That The top of that class has just really separated itself from maybe guys like Ja'Cory Brooks, right? Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, they're studs, right? I mean, they are so... They're almost surefire type of studs, um, and Worthy is up there too. I, I don't know where you have him right now, but uh, I do think that there's quite a bit of a tear break after those guys. Yeah, I, I have the Ohio State guys in like kind of their own tier at this point, uh, but Worthy's not that far behind them. Um, I don't have Brooks in that in that tier with Worthy. Um, but he's, he's, like I said, he's moving up each week. So like, I don't think it'd be insane for it to think that he would be there soon because I mean, I told you what last week that he'd broken in the top 18. Well, now he's broken in the top 12. So, you know, it's like, it, it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that much longer before he gets there. Assuming that, you know, things stay the same. Now they just kind of got out of playoff contention and everything. So like, who knows, like, are they going to change things up? Are they going to like, we don't. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, or are they just going to try and you know save face and be like, all right, well we lost two games, but we're still going to go get a good bowl game and like that kind of thing. Pro- most likely, with somebody like Saban and all that kind of stuff, that's probably just what they're going to do: go get the best bowl game we can get. Maybe somehow, if like just crazy stuff happens, then they can squeak into the playoff. You know, like it, it's it is Bama. You know, it's not that crazy to think. So, I don't think they're going to change too much and. I mean, 15 targets is, is great. Uh, I'm never going to sit there and, and think that somebody getting 15 targets is a bad thing. Uh, you know, I, it, it, I feel like the offensive line is probably the biggest problem here. But, you know, like I, I also I don't really like pay attention to that kind of stuff. I, just from what I've seen and like watching a few of their games and everything just seems like Young's always running for his life. And so I've personally seen Ja'Cory wide open in the middle of the field but Bryce is over here, and so he can't see him. He's so he ends up, you know, dumping it off for seven yards to JoJo or Earl or Kobe Prentice or whoever. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, Brooks is one of those guys where it's like that inconsistency drives me crazy because, like you said, there's there's those routes where he's just he's open, it looks effortless, and then there's the other ones where he's tripping on himself, um, he's falling down, he's sloppy routes. So if he can clean that up, I think that he can. He can be a pretty darn good wide receiver. I just don't know if he's a top-end technician at this point. So maybe he's like a, a Deontay in some ways where it, it's like the guy is going to demand targets. He's maybe not going to be the most efficient with them, but at the end of the day, he probably is the best Bama wide receiver there right now at least. So uh, there's still re- room for optimism, reason to like him. Uh, obviously, you deal with more of the, the film takes and everything and, and film watching. Is that something you've seen a player before and then they've fixed or they've cleaned up? Like, I mean, or multiple players or just one player in particular that you can think of? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think he's able to clean that up. I think he, he should be able to 
there's some wide receivers, just body type, things like that, where it's very difficult for them to really tweak that. A guy like Traylon Burks, he's not going to become a a super elite wide receiver as far as route running goes. He's not going to be an Odell Beckham Jr., Amari Cooper, somebody like that. He's not built that way. Ja'Cory Brooks, I think he can refine his game a little bit further. So he can clean it up, but he just doesn't remind me of some of these guys who just naturally have that really, really great ability to stop on a dime, get in and out of their cuts quite seamlessly. So that's a bit of a concern where I think he can clean it up, but he's never going to be one of those guys where he's this elite route runner. And he wasn't a great athlete coming out of high school. He was, he was fine. He was good, but he was never a burner. Um, so that could be something that limits him in the future. All right. So we're going to have to wait and see on this one clearly, but uh, you know, things are, are trending in the right direction. But speaking of not only uh, non elite players, Jalen Milroe. Uh, <laughs> I know he has elite speed, elite athleticism, but man, I did not like what I saw in in those couple of games. And it sounds like maybe you saw something that you liked there, because uh, we talked a little bit about it before we jumped on here. And uh, it seems like you're a little higher on him than I am. Yeah, and part of it is because we didn't really get to see him a whole, whole lot. So when he came in in that Arkansas game, which they won 49 to 26. He was fine, right? I mean, he was four for nine, so he didn't get a lot of work in that game. He had a one passing touchdown, zero interceptions, but he had 91 rushing yards. And then the next week at Texas A&M, which they won, um, not the best high-volume passing performance that you'd like, but we've already talked about how even Bryce Young has been struggling this year, statistically. So, you know, we know that Jalen Milroe is not going to be as good of a passer, especially in his first year really playing meaningful snaps for Alabama. So 12 for 19, 63% uh, completion rating, three touchdown, three passing touchdowns, one interception, um, 81 rushing yards. He's going to put up some numbers on the ground. And if he can just take another step forward and develop, now I get that's what we said from Anthony Richardson, right, this year. Oh, he just needs to take a step forward. He needs to develop. Um, guess who's in the Alabama system, though? It's not Anthony Richardson. It's Jalen Monroe. He is in a perfect opportunity where he's going to have five-star weapons. He's going to have an offensive line and a coach that's hell-bent on making that program competitive again because them dropping out of you know contention for a national championship this year, you got to think that drives a guy like Saban crazy. So... Maybe it won't be Milrow next year. Um, I took a cheap shot at him in one of my leagues this season, and I'm going to try to hold on to that until maybe the hype really picks up for him even more. So so I'm not saying for the long game, oh yeah, hold him for the next three years, never trade him away. Like You could trade him away at some point when he, once he gains value, but I think that um, he has a better shot at getting this job than maybe some people would like to believe. Uh, one caveat I would say here is that uh, Anthony Richardson just played Texas A&M and actually looked decent. And that's the first time he's probably looked decent this entire year. So maybe there's just something going on there where uh, they can't deal with the, the rushing QBs or, or something. I don't know. Now, he didn't he didn't like complete as many passes, but once again, it's... Uh, Anthony Richardson, we wouldn't expect him to, but <laughs> I, I actually, I do liken him to a, like a smaller version of Anthony Richardson, but 
I will give him credit. Like he did complete like 63% of his passes in that game against Texas A&M. Now, of course he completed 44% of his passes the previous week. So, you know, not, uh, not anything to write home at, you know, write home about, but at the same time, it's only a couple of games. We can't like take too much away from it. It's just in a small sample, I saw what I don't like to see, which is a not very accurate passer, uh, not very like prolific passer, and just somebody that like looks to run. And while I love rushing QBs, I love QBs with athleticism. I want them to be able to throw the ball, and he's just not there yet. And yet people, you know, like in Debbie leagues and C2C leagues, you're going to have to make a decision about like, do I want him on my team? Do I want to pay for him? Do I want to trade him away? Do I want to trade for him? Or do I want to draft them, you know, next year in a new one, like that kind of thing. So you kind of have to make up your mind now. And if I'm making up my mind now, I'm out. And, you know, I'm just going to hope that it's Ty Simpson or that they bring someone else in or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I haven't even heard much about Ty and like if, you know, like how the team really feels about him and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's like leaning to your concern, but I, or lending to your concern, I should say. But I, I think that, uh, like I said, I'm just at this point, I feel like I you have to either be all in or all out, and I'm all out. <laughs> yeah, and I do see a little bit more room to be in between on that. For example, I would say I'm more in between, but since you're out, I'm more in than you. That's, that's why he's a good player to debate here. I will kind of just end with Jalen Hurts, starter for Alabama, 2016-2017. You know what his completion percentage ratings were? 62% <laughs> and 60%. Jalen okay. Hurts, who, who's maybe the dynasty QB one for some people, not me, but some people, he's in that tier one of all guys. We saw him develop. Of course, it took, you know, four years of college and going to Oklahoma to really start to refine his passing abilities. And he even started off slow at the NFL level. But we know that these these types of guys make these big leaps and improvements. And if he has the physical tools, which I think Jalen Milrow does have. He at least has a shot. So high probability, no, not necessarily, but there's potentially that upside there. All right, you're kind of convincing me here, so I'll give you one here. Uh, like I don't, I'm not all out. I'm just not. I'm not loving it. <laughs> but uh, he he definitely has room to grow and time for that to happen. Uh, now this one, this is where you know we're gonna be fighting. Because this is my boy, this is my baby from the time that I drafted him, the time that I saw the first picture, <laughs> my baby boy, Audric Estime, uh, I, I saw that picture, I sent you, I sent it to you, and I said, this is who I want on my team, this is going to be a stud, and you were like, eh, I don't know about all that, like, yeah, he's big, you know, he's quick and whatever, I didn't even look at his stats then. Then I went and looked at his high school stats. I'm like, holy crap, this dude was r- rushing for like 2,000 yards a season. Like, well, how are you not in on him? And you're like, oh, man, let me tell you about this boy, Logan Diggs. Uh, you know, he, he's going to he's gonna rule the world. And I was just like, really, Logan Diggs? And then it's been the Audric Estime show in Notre Dame, ranked Notre Dame, even without Tyler Buckner, like doing much better than people probably gave him credit for at the beginning of the season when things looked so terrible. And while it was a slow start for Estime, he's like, I don't want to say completely taken over uh, because they definitely use, you know, the other running backs there with, with Diggs and Tyree. But man, he sure seems like he's the lead back 
and uh, you know even if it is a three back committee and he's actually doing pretty damn well like i mean it's even to the point where i've started him for a couple of weeks in my c2c league because he's putting up pretty damn good numbers so so why do you hate audrick estime so much and why are you not willing to admit that he's the best running back on that team John, I, I got to fact check you here because you go back the last three, four weeks and it's a complete even slate between Audrick Estime and Logan Diggs as far as carries and workload goes. In fact, one of those games, I think it was like four or five games ago, Audrick Estime fumbled, I think twice, and he got benched. It was Diggs' workhorse guy the rest of the game. And, <laughs> and you know, since they're splitting carries now that Logan Diggs is finally healthy, like I was saying all offseason, it's like the guy's coming off shoulder surgery. We shouldn't expect him to, like, take Audrick Estime's job right away, right? It's going to take a while. And I actually think I'll, I'll see this. I don't think Audrick Estime is going away. He is such a beast as far as, like, scoring touchdowns go, which is huge. And I think he is, like, the higher um, level of play version of Dwayne McBride, for example a guy who's not really going to have a receiving upside, but kind of this bigger back, enough burst to him, but he's not hes not a speedy guy, but he's got enough burst for a big back. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a fine player, but to really make a difference at the next level, or even for C2C leagues, you got to have the lion's share of touches and hopefully maybe a little bit of receiving upside, and if not that, you got to really dominate the touches and carries. So... I'm not seeing that with the complete split right now going on at Notre Dame. I think Diggs is a good player. I, I get Audrick Estime was a good recruit, very productive in high school. Um, he's been a productive rusher this year, but some of his fantasy football production has come, or his scoring output has been from nine touchdowns this season on the ground. And while that's a good measure, I shouldn't be knocking guys for scoring touchdowns, right? Um, if he has a more specialized role as a goal linebacker, the NFL is not going to be that wild. He really needs to take over. So is it in his range of outcomes to take over if Diggs has an injury or somehow kind of stops playing for that team? Sure. But I don't see that happening. I think it's going to continue to be a split, and Estime is going to be one of those maybe really late-round type of running backs drafted if I had to project that out. Um, again, not a receiving threat, and he's not an athletic freak like a Jonathan Taylor or King Henry. Um maybe more like an A.J. Dillon, which I guess is not a bad bad comp and not a bad player altogether. But that's kind of where I see him at, and I think A.J. Dillon's probably even higher side. And A.J. Dillon was kind of a workhorse, and Estime is not quite that yet, even though he's been scoring okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of credit there, but, I mean, they've been kind of going back and forth. I was looking at the game logs, you know, it's like one week Estime outproduces him, you know, like per touch, and then vice versa. So I guess the story's not finished, right? You know, being written yet. But at the same time, I think it's more just a player that like I don't want to say came from nowhere or anything like that. But like clearly, I got him in like the 40th round of our C to C or campus league. Like clearly, no one was in on this guy, and so I think that lends to me like caring more about him actually like moving up the ranks. And it's kind of like what I was talking about with Brooks, not to the same extent, but. All of a sudden, I start noticing him in the ranks of the model, and it's like, well, he wasn't even close to being in there before, you know. And now, all of a sudden, he's—I'm starting to see things like, uh, you know, you, you talked about the touchdowns, but he has 1.1 PPR points per touch. Like that's something that I like to see. I like to see you above that 1.0 level. Um, 
And the fact that he's not even catching passes, you know, means even more when you have the, uh, when you're over that 1.1 because that starts to show that you're a, a very good or at least an efficient rusher. Um, and then obviously the touchdowns help with that. Uh, the scrim yards per game are getting up there around 80. You know, like he's been closer to like the 100, 120, like that kind of thing uh, more recently. But the, I will give you a little bit of credit. Like it doesn't maybe maybe he's not much of an athlete or as much of an athlete because he's a pretty bigger back and everything. He only has a 5% big time run rate. So it seems like he's not you know breaking off those huge, huge plays or anything like that. And you know me, like I love the big time run rate. Like I, I really like to see it over, you know, like a seven, eight, nine percent, something like that. And it doesn't sound like a huge difference when you're only talking about a couple percentage points, but it really is. Like it, it, it when you, it, it's an easy way to look at somebody that's going to be like prolific and and you know just amazing, and then like somebody that's going to be good and could still be a very good player in the NFL. So as of right now, he's not showing that he's going to be like top tier you know kind of guy which i don't have him as top tier in in the model but i, just, I love the fact that he, he's moving up he is getting a lot of run in that offense um and you know but to your point like Diggs is definitely not going away it seems uh so i i would have loved to have seen him run away with the job and it doesn't seem like he's quite doing that right now yeah and, and like you said as far as big time run rates uh or i looked at explosive or breakaway rushes Esteve Hay has six on the year. I mean, Diggs has seven. Diggs has, has not been playing as much, except recently. He's been playing a lot more. So, I don't know. I, I came into this thinking that we were going to discuss Devin Neal a little bit. It realizes we are closer to um, each other as far as how we feel about Devin Neal running back for Kansas. However, um, you know, Devin Neal, even he has 12 breakaway rushes. So he has twice the amount of estimate, for example. And Neal, Neal doesn't even have this great like yards per carry this season. It's it's just kind of telling to me that estimate doesn't quite have that next level acceleration um, and then top end speed. But anyways, that that seemed like a pretty good uh, argument back and forth on estimate for, for us. Yeah. And we were talking about Neil and, you know, like he had that huge game this past week. And so of course he, he jumped back up cause he had kind of been falling off. I want to say he'd been averaging like 40 yards a game or something the past few games, if I remember correctly, because I looked at it when you said, you know, you brought him up earlier and you're like, well, what, you know, how do you feel about Neil? And I was like, oh, he sucks. And then I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, of course, he had a 230 yard game this past week. <laughs> like, of course he did. And so, like, he jumps back up. Not to say like he skyrocketed because like one game isn't going to change that much. But you know, we talked about it in the past where uh, in the model, like I, I build in these like thresholds and things where you know, like I, I want a player to hit certain uh, game thresholds or attempt thresholds or whatever before I, you know. J- uh, jump them up the, the ranks too much. Estime has only played nine games, um, you know, this season. And so like, I, I don't, I don't think he played anything last year if I remember correctly, but um, he, so he hasn't quite met that threshold threshold. Whereas Neil is, has hit 20 games. And so like I built it into where it's like a pretty big difference. So even though they're kind of far apart right now, I don't even know once I change that. Um, actually I can do it right now. See if, see where he moves up. Uh, if he moves up close to where Neil is, let's see real quick here. So eight fifty. So he would be about six spots behind Neil if I if I gave him the same same amount of games uh, played. Obviously, he doesn't have that, but 
not that far apart, but it, it is kind of tough for me to say that <laughs> Devin Neal sucks and then <laughs> and then uh, love me some estime. So that, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, everything needs some context, I suppose, right? Uh, <laughs> I had Devin Neal on my bench and Eric Gray on my bench and Caleb Johnson and Tori Horton and uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson in one league this week. I mean, I had like 260-some points on my bench. <laughs> and I had a lot of buys and, and injuries and true freshmen and stuff. So, like, just... How does that even happen? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I still put up 260-some for my starting lineup. Oof. So, I had a good week last week, but it did suck to see um, to see, what's his name? Uh, Devin Neal put up a 40s-plus point <laughs> game on my bench. <laughs> yeah, I bet that would hurt. Speaking of 40 points, uh, Jaden Daniels got me 40 points, or at least close to it, this past week. And uh, he actually helped me quite a bit because I said I was I was struggling with my QBs. And it didn't look all that great in the beginning of the game. But, you know, he was playing Alabama. But uh, at, towards the end of the game, it, it I mean, he had, I think, like 36, 37 points, whatever it ended up being. Now, it kind of helped that they went to overtime and he scored there and, and all that kind of stuff. But... He actually looked pretty damn good in this game. Now, I believe that, you know, you've talked about in the past how you started out as a Jane Daniels truther, uh, you know, like in his freshman year, but then you kind of fell off after that. Uh, I've I've been a, probably one of the biggest proponents for Jane Daniels, if not the biggest proponent for Daniels here uh, for, I don't at least two years now. I mean, I remember talking about him on one of our first Debbie devotional pods saying how much I liked this guy. He was in my top five at the time and like all this other stuff. He fell down from there and uh, he's not quite you know there. We haven't seen, especially in the beginning of this season, we haven't seen exactly what I wanted to see. But more recently, he's starting to get you know, 60, 70%, you know, completion rate, uh, a lot of rushing, you know, like, like once again, we love to see the rushing, but when you combine those two and he was being pretty safe with the ball as well. And so, you know, when you combine those three things, that's where I start going, okay, this guy can be an, an NFL prospect or an NFL QB. And I, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but you have some concerns with why you think that he, uh, that he might not be, but, when you start seeing games like beating Alabama and stuff like that, does that pique your interest again? You know, you were a believer. Is it possible to, to bring you back in here? You, you want to see if you can rekindle that flame, huh? Um, <laughs> anyways, it very much reminds me of a Devin a chain type of deal. So Devin a chain coming into college, I was like, man, this guy, he has some unreal athleticism. And he's in a running back room with Spiller where I still thought that, you know, a chain was probably the better back, at least more explosive back. And then we saw him not put on weight. And even now he's putting on a little bit of weight, but Devin Chain is just so small. He's not going to be 200 plus pounds and at least maintain that athleticism that we really covet. I'm concerned that Jaden Daniels, starting off from high school at 175. I guess I don't know why that wasn't more of a concern to me initially. I probably should have never been on him. Um, but he's actually outperformed what I expected for him bulking up. I never thought he'd get to 205 pounds, but that's what he's listed at. I don't know if I trust it, to be honest. He still looks like a skinny dude out there. <laughs> and um, That's true. He does yeah. look very skinny, but I mean, he's tall. He has a biggish frame. I mean, not like like not like giant, like where you think he's going to be two forty all of a sudden or anything. But like, 
big enough and, and tall enough to where I don't think it'd be that insane to think that he could be like 210, 215 one day. Right. I, mean, I could see it. I mean, that's 35 pounds. That's a lot. In like four years, I guess it'd be five by next year, right? By the time he's actually in the NFL. It's possible, right? It's possible for him to put another 10 pounds on within the next year, but when he's already done so much, is he starting to maximize what his potential is? Because you have to think about it maybe from like a anatomy and physiology standpoint as well. Of Sometimes, for example, myself, I'm just, I'm not a big guy. If I was never going to put on just a ton of muscle naturally. You know, that, that just was not something that was in the cards for my physiology, my build, all that. Jaden Daniels, he might kind of be limited. I don't expect him to become the super jacked guy 215 like we shall see but I guess another concern is is just um what he's done in his career hasn't quite matched up hype wise with what we'd expect so they had a great win but it was at home at LSU's very notoriously difficult um stadium to play in I mean Death Valley's intimidating for anybody especially a Alabama team who's not at its best, right? This this is not their year. I I have to say, he was impressive in that game. He was making runs. He was making all sorts of good decisions and throws that really make you want to reel him back in, <laughs> want, make you want to buy into him at, at least at some level. But do I think he's going to be a, a day one draft capital quarterback? No. Is there a route for him getting success at the NFL potentially? But not a round one guy in my opinion I really don't see it at least I'm not confident in it and that's why I'm just saying I think I gotta fade him I think he's gonna be maybe a a round three maybe a day three type of player and I definitely I cannot argue with you I don't really think he's gonna be a day one guy or you know a first round guy but at the same time like (laughs) with We've heard, you know, people freaking out about Malik Willis last year. People are freaking out about Anthony Richardson. Uh, if you take away the size concerns, which I guess you can't, but like if you take away those size concerns, like why wouldn't you want Jaden Daniels over those guys? You know, and if, if you're trying to push somebody into the first round, you would think it would be somebody like Jaden Daniels. And in the SEC, now he hasn't thrown that much. He only has 268 pass attempts this year. But in the SEC, going up against Bama and Georgia and whoever else, 69.8% completion rate this year, uh, 8.3 adjusted yards per attempt, 14 passing touchdowns. I believe he has 10 rushing touchdowns and one interception. So, I mean, that's those are pretty decent numbers in the SEC. Uh, you know, he's not he's not a prolific passer by any means, but like it just. Once again, I, I think if if you were going to give somebody that Jalen Hurts treatment, the, the second round QB that all of a sudden becomes a stud, uh, be, you know, take away the, the size concerns. And I think if you just look at what he's actually done, I could easily see him being a second round pick or, you know, hopefully worst case scenario, third round pick for a team and just like, you know, he gets his shot like a Malik Willis this year. He's gotten his shot. Now Malik Willis is terrible. But I, I think if Jaden Daniels were to get a shot, he could actually say, hey, like, you know, like, look at me. I'm actually pretty damn good here. He could. And maybe it's just me looking at, like, the top 25, right, the top-ranked teams in college football. And I don't think that LSU is going to crack the top four. 
it makes sense with Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, Oregon, USC, all those teams having zero or one losses versus LSU's got two losses. I don't see them maybe getting that quite on that pedestal or that notoriety that comes with those top four games in the college football playoffs. So maybe that's an issue there. Let's see. And he says, let's see him make a big-time throw to some of those wide receivers. I was told LSU had a generational talent at wide receiver, winky face. Love it. John is muted, I believe, but... <laughs> Crap, I was muted. Thank you for reminding me. That's my, that's my co-host from the Full Tilt Debbie pod there and uh, giving me some crap because I've been talking about Jane Daniels from basically the beginning. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, people love some Keishon Boutte. We've talked about Malik Neighbors, and I it hasn't been exactly what I would want to see from either one of those players. But... Like I said, it, it, he he's not throwing a lot, but he's throwing when he does throw, he's making it count, and I think that counts or you know matters almost as much as as uh, as anything else. But uh, like he's not going to be a first round pick, I don't think so, unless he just goes out there. Now I will say, I think he's probably the closest thing to like athletically to Justin Fields, and we saw what Justin Fields did this past week: 178 rushing yards. Like just doesn't matter how how well he throws or anything like that. Like when you're that good, when you can run that well, you can win games or at least be in games. And so like, I feel like he's that close because I, when I see him running on the field, it doesn't seem like anyone could possibly touch him. And there's not too many players that I, that I see you know that from besides the Justin Fields. Um, even like Lamar's just different. Like Lamar rushing isn't quite like that. Like people can catch him people, you know, it's just more like, I don't know if he has a vision thing or whatever. Like he's very good at running obviously, but when you see fields or even, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, Kyler Murray, um, you know, when you see either one of them, you're just like, they're gone. <laughs> like, there's no one's going to catch them. They are just absolutely gone. And that's how I feel with Jaden Daniels as well. That was my comp for Jaden Daniels coming out was Kyler Murray. Ooh. And yeah, so so I did like it. I just don't know that he's quite his jitterbug fast, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but well, he's also not 5'11. So. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, maybe it's just a, a visual um, perception of how fast Kyler's legs are moving, right? Um, but at the end of the day, Jaden Daniels, yes, he has some similarities to Justin Fields, but Justin Fields is doing it at 30 more pounds at the NFL level. That's insane. Uh, Fields is a freak, and we should not have been fading him. I'm so glad nobody in Lord of the Rings 2 wanted to trade. Um, for my fields when I was putting him on the block at one point. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to make the right decision and holding on to fields. Uh, Jaden Daniels is not that, but maybe he will put on some weight. We'll have to see. All right, enough about Jaden Daniels. Uh, we will have to wait and see what happens there. Was there anyone else that we wanted to talk about uh, before we get out of here? We've we've had some good grudges. We've uh, we've come to terms. We've we've agreed we've disagreed we've done everything in between there you got anything else i mean do we want to get into like a luther burden or caleb williams oh I, I actually forgot about i forgot about uh caleb williams <laughs> uh yeah and, and luther burden all right so luther burden's just terrible right <laughs> he, he was one of my tier one wide receivers coming into this year i'm not ready to call him terrible 
Um, I'll say that he's not still the wide receiver one for me in the class, but I have him a lot higher than you uh, based on our conversation earlier, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, especially when you're using your model, which very heavily um, wants to know the production, but can't forget that Luther Burden's a five-star. He's built like A.J. Brown out there, and Missouri's just completely fudging this up as far as how they're using him, what sorts of situations they're putting him into, and Luther Burden's getting outperformed out there on his own team, which sucks, but a couple different things. He is a true freshman. He's banged up, so even now, do I believe he's fully healthy? No. There was talks that he'd be done for the year, and he's back already, so I mean... That in itself is kind of impressive. Um, They're using him in this weird role where, I mean, he has all this rushing, all these rushing attempts and just like screens and weird passes that are very short. And of course, he's not going to have a great yards per reception. It's 8.2. That's yucky. But I mean, 30 receptions for the year. It's clear that they want to get him the ball. They just don't know how to do it because they don't know how to play offense. (laughs) Sorry for the Mizzou fans out there listening to the podcast. It's really not personal. <laughs> Get bodied. Yeah, I mean, Luther Burden, he might be gone. He might go to Alabama and outproduce Ja'Cory Brooks two for one as far as, um, you know, taking out John's guy and then elevating her. <laughs> oh, no, no I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that would be really fun, right? I mean, I think that Luther Burden does everything that Kobe Prentice does, but he does it better, and he's much bigger and, you know, better recruits. So that – I'm sad. I, I like Kobe Prentice, but for Luther Burden's sake, let's hope he gets somewhere else that can really highlight and use utilize him down the field a little bit more because we've seen those couple of flashes where he puts on the Jets, and he's a fast kid too. He's This yards perception deal, that's not indicative of how athletic he actually is. So he's one of those ones where I can't really trust um, the statistics that he's putting out at this time. Now, if that doesn't change, let's say next year, we really have to move him down, right? He needs to at least show more big playability more consistently. But at this point, I'm not putting it on the kid. I still think Luther Burden is a tier one wide receiver in the 2025 class. And so saying that he, that he sucks was a little hyperbolic, but I, I think that, uh, I think you had to, you have to move him down, which you said you did, and now you still have him in the tier one. I, I guess I don't hate it. Um, I, we've seen a lot of guys, you know, especially I've done a lot of research on on all these, trying to figure out what stats matter and all that kind of stuff. And I've, you know, seen a lot of times, and obviously I always come back to like a Jameson Williams or something where somebody just did nothing for like a year or two, and then all, you know, and all of a sudden like they're just studs. Um, so it's not impossible for him to, you know, all of a sudden become better. The biggest thing for me is his teammate. Like we've talked about how Mizzou's not the greatest <laughs> uh, offense, but his teammate is actually standing out in the model, and it's a somebody that I knew really nothing about going into the season, honestly. Um, and that's probably my fault or my problem, but uh, he's I definitely know who he is now, and that's Dominic Lovett, and he showed up in the model maybe you know, three, four weeks into the season. And I was like, oh, who the hell is this? I started looking it up. I'm like, wait, he's on Mizzou? Like, everyone wants Luther Bird to be like, so I'm like, oh, so he's like a senior or something. Like, no, he's a sophomore. Um, He's a true sophomore. And so, you know, he's only one year ahead, and yet he's putting up, he's doubling and tripling all of Luther Burden's numbers. And so when you see that, I can't blame the offense because we have a guy that's standing out in the offense. It's just not Luther Burden. 
Now, you can call it bad coaching, like saying that he's in the wrong role. And I, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. But I'm seeing like almost three uh, yards per team pass attempt for Dominic Lovett. And I'm seeing like one yard per team pass attempt for Luther Burden. And now I have rushing in the model because I had to build it in for players like a Wandale Robinson last year and like stuff like that. Like I, I had to be able to see, you know, are they just are, are they used the wrong way or a different way? Maybe not the wrong way, but a different way. But they're still standing out. They're still scoring points. They're still, you know, very productive for their team. And so I have rushing in the, the wide receiver model. So if he's running instead of what, you know, catching balls, he's still going to stand out. And he is not standing out. He's not even in the top 100. Um, and freshmen in my model get huge bumps because I don't expect them to do all that much. But I'm seeing uh, 650 receiving yards from Lovett, 14.2 yards per reception. You said, what, like eight or something like that for uh, for Luther Burden or earlier. Like I said, almost three yards per team pass attempt, 72 receiving yards per game, a 36% market share in the offense, like maybe it's not that burden's bad. Maybe it's just that love. It's really good, but I'm falling in love with love it. And I'm, I'm all out on burden at this point. <laughs> yeah. And it's too bad how they are using them because you look back at high school production and I get it. It's high school. Most of the good players put up great stats, but I mean, Luther burden truly dominated and he averaged over 18 yards per reception. Um, his last two years in high school, it's not like the guy was just always a, a guy who's just ripping off little chunks. He was a big play machine. He he proved that at, I think it was one of the big all-star games um, for high school seniors coming out uh, this last spring. It was super impressive. I mean, the guy was ripping off huge plays and showing that he was one of the most explosive ones on the field. So I don't know if it's injury-related and system, but I'm not willing to give up on that talent. Um I have to say, screw screw the production on this one. There's just too many other confounding factors that are muddying the waters. Uh, I like what Lovett's done. It's not a knock on him. It's just a let's not give up on Burden, or at least I'm not going to yet. Um, I'm still going to have him high, even though I did trade him away in, in one CDC league. So know that this isn't even bias. This isn't even me trying to talk up one of my own players because I don't have any Luther Burden anymore, and it hurts. It really does. But uh, that, those are my thoughts there. Speaking of completely unbiased, Drake May, uh, you know, I've, I've never really talked about him. I don't think, uh, you know, uh, not much of a fan or anything like, no. <laughs> so recently I talked about on the Full Tilt Debbie podcast that uh, Andy is on, I talked about uh, how I moved Drake May above Caleb Williams in the 2024 class. I actually moved Drake May up to my QB1 overall um, in Devi and ab- above CJ Stroud, above uh, Bryce Young, and I'm I know it's spicy. I know it's crazy. I know people you know don't <laughs> don't want to hear it, and they're probably calling me insane. Although I have heard quite a few people since then, or seen posts. I've I've seen a lot of people talking about how they're moving May up. You know, maybe not to one like me, but like moving them up, all of a sudden, like they're falling in love. Uh, I've seen posts that I've sent to Aaron talking about how uh, he's the first person, uh, first QB to score 30 touchdowns in their first nine games uh, in, I think, I think it was college football history or something like that. It was whatever it was. It was a, a great feat. I love me some Drake May, but that created the argument for, wait, 
you have him over Caleb Williams? I'm like, well, yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, I've heard obviously takes from Aaron. I've heard takes from a lot of other uh, Debbie analysts and C2C analysts. And that seems like a pretty spicy take. But, I mean, I'll I'll let Aaron get into why he loves him so much, and then I'll completely tear him down after that. So I'm not going to get into the numbers and all that kind of stuff just yet. But I, I think when you look at what Drake May has done, in his first year, we just got done talking about Luther Burden, you know, just getting on the field and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is May's first year as an actual player and, you know, in the offense and everything as well. And yet he's just done everything you would possibly ever want to see from a QB. And I love me some Williams. This is not me saying I hate, you know, Caleb Williams or anything like that. I really like Caleb Williams. I just don't have him quite in that same tier. And I think that's when you, you start getting uh, Aaron's goat there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I don't want this to turn into a, a straw man argument of, of different takes of, you know, who likes this player, who doesn't like it. it the, the simple fact right now is that you have Drake May in tier one and you have Caleb Williams in tier two. And that's where the disagreement and the debate starts and ends, or not ends, but you know, that's that's why um, I think he's a good one for us to talk about, just because Drake May is blowing everybody out of the water statistically this season. And I have to give John a lot of credit. He was one of the first ones on May out there, and he never kind of wavered from that. He didn't buy into the the coach speak and, and what they were giving practice reps to Jacoby Priswell. Like, you know, John never bought into that though there was just a lot of uncertainty with May. Um, Let's not make this a May type of conversation ultimately. May's been great, but if we're looking at what Caleb Williams has done, we need to also appreciate that that's special, both because he's a great receiving threat, but also because he's a great passer. Um, Though his his completion percentages are not elite by any means, he's been solidly at 64% the last two years. So his true freshman year, thrown into the mix and this year and that's with poor offensive line play and an underperforming offense last year um to be clear poor offensive line play coming into this season and then Oklahoma last year was a mess and he still was very consistent with 21 touchdowns and only four interceptions as a true freshman and guess what Caleb Williams is doing this year I mean he's 28 touchdowns to one interception so I don't really care about the completion percentage being a little bit lower it's not like he's throwing all these picks because he's inaccurate yes he does have I told John he has some issues as far as when he's on the run he's trying to throw across his body or kind of make these quick decision throws down the field he's not always the most accurate so I think that there's some areas that May is better at and I think that's showing up statistically but that does not mean that Caleb Williams is not a baller deserving of being in that tier one. It's rare that we get guys who are that consistent on the ground and in the air. Um, I mean, if, if you add that up, I don't even know what that is. Like in his career, Caleb Williams has 49 touchdowns and only five interceptions. That's insane. So I think he deserves to be in that same top tier. He has enough size to him. He has the pedigree. Uh, he's going to have three years of really good production. Uh, Drake May, you know, he deservedly is a good player. So I don't want this to turn into a, um, a different argument than what it needs to be. Caleb Williams, tier one. Let's make it happen, people. <laughs> to be fair, he's very, very close to being in tier one. He's just not quite there. And honestly, it's just he's not a prolific passer right now. Like, he's in the Pac 12, and he's 
passing wise, he's not that far off from Jane Daniels. Uh, you know, so like, and Jane Daniels has a lot more rushing than him this year. Um, so now he has a lot more touchdowns than than Jaden Daniels. So I'm not trying to hate on the guy. And like, and to your credit, he's very safe with the ball. Now that wasn't always the case, but he has turned like like I think he started out like his first couple games. Of course, we're going to give him a little credit there. But like his first few games, I think he had like a three percent interception rate or something. And I was like, uh oh, this isn't looking good. And then since then. Not this year. I, I meant last year. Um, and, and since then, he's just completely like not turned it around, but like just cleaned everything up. And he has that one percent interception rate that I love to see. That all of the top guys have. Drake May, uh, C.J. Stras at one point four, but I'm not going to like sit here and nitpick. You know, point four percent. Bryce Young one point one. Caleb Williams one point zero. Hendon Hooker one point zero as well. But uh, you know, like those are the the kind of things that I like. I love to see. Now, you know, I know a lot of people argue about like yards per carry and that kind of thing. Uh, but Caleb Williams is right up at 6.1 yards per carry. I think in the college level for QBs, like I like looking at yards per carry. It's, it's just a simple stat that I can say, is this guy good at rushing or is he not? And he, he's up there at 6.1 yards per carry. Drake May, 6.3 yards per carry. Um, so like I, I love to see uh, that. And and you know, like that's something that, uh, but you know, and obviously Bryce Young's up there as well. I'm just trying to look at like the top tier guys. The biggest thing, and you said the completion rate. I'm not knocking him much for the completion rate. Like, yeah, it's not 70 percent or you know 68 percent or whatever. 64 percent. Like, it doesn't get a huge knock in the in the model. It's the slightest of knock, and that might be the difference, honestly, when it's all said and done. Why he's not in that tier one just yet. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is when you look at, once again, looking at the top tier, Drake May for adjusted yards per attempt, uh, 10.9. CJ Stroud, 11.4. Bryce Young, 10.8. Caleb Williams, 10.3. Caleb Williams is in the Pac-12. <laughs> These other players are not. Um, and so I I just want to see a little bit more from a Pac-12 player than I would from a different you know conference. And I think that's where the disconnect is of why I don't quite have them in that tier one, even though everything looks great. But when you're going up against Pac-12 defenses, I want you to be elite elite. And he's very good. And so that's why I have him in his own, literally his own tier. As of right now, at least he, I have the top three: May, uh, Stroud, Young, and then he's in his own tier by himself. And then I have the guys like a Hendon Hooker, you know, the, the Jaden Daniels, Grayson McCall, like those kind of guys. Um, that's, I, I think you should be happy enough that I at least have him in his own tier, right? No, man, the, the disrespect is unreal. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, but I just. I think that you've made a lot of good points as far as, I mean, Pac-12, he should be doing more, but if you look at recent games, now I need to do a more thorough analysis of game-by-game production. I do think that they're allowing him to throw more, and he's doing that without Jordan Addison, without Mario Williams the last two games. Jordan Addison's been banged up even before the last two games he's missed, so like that's really impressive. And I, Taj Washington looking good, though. Oh, yeah, and Taj Washington's fine. I mean, right, he was pretty solid coming from, what, Memphis, right? But I'm just, I'm not so sold that he has, like, these elite weapons that Lincoln Riley just wants to air it out. Like, they're running, right. they're running Travis Dye a lot. And, 
you know, could you extrapolate or could you guess, oh, is that a reflection on Caleb Williams? I don't know. Maybe it's just a reflection on how uh, the coaches want to play the game, I guess, ultimately. We really don't know that, and we can't infer too much information there. Caleb Williams, if he was in more shootouts like Drake May was, maybe he would throw for more yards because you have to realize the UNC defense is atrocious, and the UNC um, opponents that they've been playing aren't good either. So it's not, again, a knock on May, but it's just showing the context of why May is producing so much. It's like he has to. Uh, versus USC, I mean, yes, their defense hasn't been good either, but for whatever reason, the coaching staff is very content at just running the ball, which UNC, I mean, their running game's been very inconsistent. It's all on Drake May passing to his number one threat, Josh Downs, and then now whoever else, um, Antoine Green and, and whatnot there. So again, that's why I think that Caleb Williams, he could be even doing more right now. If you look at the skill sets, I say same tier there. Maybe we'll have to have people vote on Twitter, something like that. Um, But no, I think good arguments either way on that. I'm glad we ended on Caleb Williams. It's kind of a a big name guy, but still good one to discuss. Yeah, and I think when it's all said and done, he's going to end up a first round pick. And like none of this is really going to matter because even though he's not technically tier one right now, A, he'll probably move up into it eventually. And B, like if he's a uh, first round pick when you're at this level, then I care, you know, like that kind of thing. So now if you're at Malik Willis's level and you're a first round pick, I do not care. Like you're still not good, but when you're Caleb Williams level, like, yeah, I'm listening. So it's probably all going to be moot, but I think it's more to, I, a lot of people still aren't giving Drake may, you know, the, the love that he deserves and that kind of the respect he deserves. And I'm starting to believe that he can truly be a first round pick you know, in the next draft. And I, that always wasn't uh, the, the belief for a lot of people. <laughs> right. And even the way you phrase that, though, he could be a first-round pick, where it seems like Caleb Williams, he's almost a lock at this point, right? Um, as far as people at, that I've heard scouting-wise. But then again, you know, Twitter scouts, that's that's more <laughs> questionable, right? So. They like, they also said the same thing about a couple of the players last year too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we shall see time-wise. You're probably right. They, they both end up in the same tier. And guess what? We're allowed to change our takes later in time. So I'll understand when you change Caleb Williams to tier one, John. <laughs> um, that'll be a great day. If he can just get up to – I want to see where I have the threshold. Um, all right, if he can get up to – 66% completion rate. I think he'll automatically jump into the the tier 1. So, you think you can, you know, Jordan Addison comes back and he can just get a little bit better maybe? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the last 3 games it's like 381 yards, 411, 360s and that's without his best weapons. So, hopefully when he gets him back, they'll start continuing on that, you know, upward trend scoring wise but we shall see i don't know if he's ever going to be one of those guys who's super super high completion percentage wise but hey if if uh jalen hurts can do that you know after three years of not being a very good passer caleb williams could eventually do that too right these guys do develop throughout their career he's still very young true sophomore so um there's time for sure 
Absolutely. I cannot wait to see what him and May do uh, for the rest of the season and then going into next year. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to talk about that 2024 class with you and, and everything else. But we have a lot of 2023 talks before that, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves like some people on Twitter are, are starting to do. Like It's like they're bored, and they're like, oh, nope, we got to start talking about 2024 now. <laughs> but but reminders to people out there, do trade for those 2024 picks if you know contenders around this time of year are wanting to sell. Now, that's advice in Dynasty Leagues. In Debbie depleted or, you know, C to C, that's totally different yeah. game. But um, honestly, in Dynasty, those 2024 picks are pretty hot. Just had our buddy Crescent try to snake one away from me. Um, oh, did not, he? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he did have an interesting offer. Uh, but we won't get into that today. Uh, buy those 2024 picks if they're cheap anywhere. Absolutely. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't exactly know what we were doing uh, at the beginning of the day, but we knew we needed to do a pod, and Aaron came up with a great idea, I think, and it, it was a lot of fun talking about some of these players that we don't fully agree on, and I can't wait to see how right I am, but I appreciate you, Aaron. <laughs> this is, like I said, a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Aaron, do you have any final words of wisdom before we get out of here? No, no. I mean, that was a lot of words of wisdom there. So that's all I got for the day. <laughs> all right. Yeah, he's done. He's he's pooped. But uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We will see you guys next time. But for now, we're cashing out. See ya.